0: thanks for joining us for another episode of skids up rc heli podcast uh tonight the show is returning somewhat to normalcy and this will be the first night that we have had a guest on in what is it guys um almost a year is that it since like february yeah, kind of. It's, it's been so long, I don't even remember. I don't either. So forgive us if there is awkward silences and uh, weird transitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it's, um, like, it's like a remade. Right. Hey, y- y'all speak for yourselves. I'm a pro at this, all right? That's true. Frank's going to hold the show together. That's what he does. That's his thing. It's holding shit together. Um, but tonight we have with us Carrie Shirley. Um, Kerry, okay, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, you are. All Hello. right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Carrie, uh, why don't you tell your tell us just really briefly um, a little bit about yourself and your interests, and then we can kind of go into our usual show format that we do.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I've uh, been involved in RC for a very long time since about 1976 when I got my first uh, airplane. And I've been involved in helicopters since I got my very first helicopter. The first one that actually flew was a Dubro Shark, if you've ever seen one of those. Uh, That was around 1979. And uh, on and off, uh, since then, I've, I've done mostly helicopters. And in the late 80s, I got involved in gas-powered helicopters. And uh, a little bit later, uh, we, can, we can go into more details on that, but a little bit later, I found that uh, I could contribute to that segment of the hobby and opened a business that focuses specifically on gas-powered helicopters. And that's what I've been doing uh, since then.
0: All right. I am very excited to talk with you more about gas-powered helicopters. Um, as you may or may not know, I am potentially in the market for one, and we will we will get into that topic later on. But thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. And um, we will kind of get into your into more of your of your story because it sounds fascinating. I'm um, always eager to hear uh, about hobby careers that have spanned, you know. Since the 70s because basically you've been there since the start of all of the stuff moving into kind of all the advanced stuff that we have now. So it's always cool to see uh, perspectives on that. Um, But I think to start things off is um, our usual round of updates. How's that sound guys. All right, let's Sounds go. great. Okay, so who's the update man that leads us off? <laughs> I'm here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, guys, Todd, so. are you ready? Go, go fetch your drinks. Uh, make yeah, sure yeah, that... You uh, do you hear this right here? That is awesome. My, that is my drink mixing around. Actually, so. you
3: know, it's funny not to interrupt, but I got some coquito for some... Javier, you might know what it is. I don't know if Carrie or Paul, you know, coquito is like Puerto Rican eggnog. And it's so freaking good that I have a connect now. So I'm going to be drinking that tonight.
0: Nice. Is it, is it non-seasonal? Do you just drink it all the time? Or no, no, it's not. It's usually,
3: it's usually around October that I start drinking it. Yeah. And usually I got to depend on my wife's co- coworkers, but now I have my own connect. So I'm
0: very happy. All right. Well, I've got a nice glass of sangria here that will uh, probably turn into three or four glasses of sangria. So... Uh, depending, nice. on long, depending on how long, depending how long Toad talks here, so go for it. Now.
2: <laughs> okay, alrighty. Well, um, I, as you know, um, I was not able to fly. There was actually a day where it was actually very, very nice. It was in the 60s, which to me is still nice. It's still flyable weather. Um, I know that for you guys, it's probably uh, too cold, but. For me, it was still flyable weather, but you know the circumstances did not allow me to actually go out and fly. I did have to do other uh, other stuff. So I was unable to, so basically I have not been flying at all. Are you,
0: are you saying it's too cold the other days and 60 was the nice day? Yes. Oh man, how cold is it up there right now?
2: Uh, right now, 40s, I think. That's not
0: too bad. For reference, it was uh, 97 degrees on s- Sunday.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, you know, right now 43 feels like 37. Oh, man. Oh, so, yeah, it's cold. So, uh, so yeah, I was I was not able to fly. Um, you know, I was kind of anticipating that. Um, I actually removed the the blades from from all the helicopters because, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on the bench updates, I've been doing something with that. But what I have been doing um, is, as I had shared with you before, I'm doing my sim practice. So I'm trying to start to get on the train of starting to, trying to perfect my craft for for next season, which is the only good thing that I can get out of not being able to fly during a lot of months. Uh, Because last year it was very beneficial to me. I actually feel like I jumped a lot thanks to the sim. So I hope, I sincerely hope that that'll be the same this year. So um, what I'm trying to do is start to do uh, a little bit more of, um, let's call it controlled 3D. Um, what I've been, what I was doing this past season was just, um, uh, feeling that I was finally in control of the helicopter and finally tuning and seeing the difference in the helicopter. So that was kind of like my process this past season. Um, just, you you know, just feeling like, uh, like I can actually control the helicopter and actually have fun and actually bang on it a little bit. Um, so this next, 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 uh, season, what I want to do is move towards a little bit more control. So what I'm doing is that I'm trying to do a little bit more of, um, uh, well, uh, kind of like half pair of flips and pair of flips, but, um, but mostly for transitioning purposes. So what I'm doing is that, you know, I'm flying around and then I whip the tail. And as I whip the tail, I try to really see where I'm going, do the flip, and uh, get back to uh, to flying again in that orientation, following the momentum. So trying to do kind of like smooth 3D with transitions. Uh, it's getting hard, you know, I'm crashing a lot, of course, because I find myself on weird orientations that i have some issues with but that's uh, you know i have plenty of months to uh, to to practice this so that's basically what i've been doing i take the no fly card and i will be taking that no fly c- card for a while but i will be focusing on the on the sim practice for now so well, actually I some, uh... that was not too bad that wasn't actually that was like 4 minutes it's going to yeah. go down in history as
0: javier's shortest update
2: that well that that's that's the that's the winter you know that's that's the the the, the dark reality of winters in wisconsin <laughs>
0: Well, so, you know, I have some thoughts on your SIM practice stuff, because that's, that's a lot of the stuff that I'm doing as well right now is the transition, the practicing the transitions. Uh, I have a playlist on YouTube that I've compiled of some of my favorite. They're usually low head speed flights, because that's where you really see the pronounced transitions that you can follow along. And it's not just a blur of things moving all at once. And what I've started to do is to pick out specific transitions and copy them like like letter for letter or I'm mean, letter, but uh, move for move as part of that whole building block idea, like where you, you know, you you learn individual pieces and then you learn connections to pieces and then you learn connections of connections. And then you can kind of do whatever you want. But, um, whenever you're working on transitions, it's always helpful to have like a starter point for which transitions to work on. And those videos that I've got saved are providing me with a lot of those, like, Oh, that looks cool. You know, the way he transitioned that into that, I'm going to practice just that one thing. And then, whenever i happen to find myself in that starting orientation i can just pull that trick out of the bag so to speak
2: right right i i actually tried to do that um i tried to because i I saw some some flights where i saw oh that's what that's exactly what i want to do and then i tried to do it and i could not reproduce it so um so uh, (laughs) i guess that that what i what i you know my conclusion was that i need to go one step backwards and uh, what I'm just trying to do is just to fly around and get myself into weird orientations and learn how to flip the tail and how to follow the tail uh, as, I'm doing, uh, as I'm doing a flip. So that, that's basically what I'm, what I'm trying to do first to try to, you know, kind, kind of like doing, you know, uh, hover orientation, but with, uh, but with weird orientation and flipping yeah. the tail. That's basically what I'm trying to achieve right now. Um, because, yeah, I tried the, the exact same thing. I tried to watch some videos that I really liked how the transitions were being made. And I tried to copy them. And I just, my mind, I couldn't get my mind wrapped around it. So I said, no, I, I need to go back and, um, and try to get myself into all the orientations that I, that I'm struggling with. And, um, and that way I hope that I can do that. So I'm doing, you know, all trying to do all funnels in all directions, you know, up, down, this in, this scout, and I'm trying to do those, um, those flips with the tail, just moving left to right and right to left. And then as, as I, as I tried to go back, you know, just flip or sometimes just do kind of like, uh, uh, a half flip without, without shooting the tail. Uh, which also looks really cool, you know, where you are are flying inverted on on kind of like a circuit, on like a figure eight trajectory, and then you just rotate the heli to... To if you were inverted, turn it up, turn it uh, upright, but follow the momentum. So yeah. those kinds of things. That's what I'm trying to to do, to to try to get my myself, you know, my fingers to to understand how all these things work, and to make sure that I can make every orientation work. And I'm hoping that uh, that will help me as a block. To now, I'm gonna go and watch these videos and try to understand if I can reproduce it. So. Uh, yeah. It seems like you're one, actually one step ahead of me.
3: <laughs> so I have a comment on this, right? And I've been, and it's fine because I was having the same conversations you guys are having now. I was having it about two years ago and this whole thing of studying orientations and doing all these orientation practice. And, you know, it, it took, honestly, it took Augie honestly saying, look, you're wasting your time. You don't learn to walk. By studying all your movements of your legs and your arms, pushing the, the the weight forward and moving in that direction, you don't. That's not how you learn how to walk. You get learn how to walk by, by walking and by understanding that you want to get from this point to this point. And you know he has a video that's really really good on teaching you how to how to like. He calls it uh, instinctive flying, which is not depending on understanding and orientation. It's more of understanding of what you're trying to get the helicopter to do, and it doesn't matter in what orientation you do it. There's a orientation dogma in this hobby that cannot be beaten to save your body's life. And I, and I hear it from you guys now, so I want to make sure that I, I wanted to comment on it. But I just there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, guys, and don't don't let this thing kind of like don't let it overpower your thinking of how to fly how to get how to get to a maneuver that you're trying to do
0: i can agree with that on a certain level but at the same time there are certain things that you have to be able to do instinctively yeah. and if you don't have that ability like if you flip flip your helicopter in one way and then you you want to go in some direction you pull the stick and it goes into the ground that that means you don't know what to do in that situation. And the more you fly, obviously you learn that. And just like you said you you know you learn to walk by experiencing your environment, but at the same time every time you walk, you know, what direction up is doesn't change and it doesn't change constantly. So there is there's got to be a bit of uh, both here. That once you know every once you have all of the basic orientations and you can fly without crashing if you are just flying normally, then I would say yeah, you can move into that realm. But until you're there, orientations are going to be the only way to get you to that point.
3: These are only mental, you, you, these orientations, trying to understand how, how, you know, and you know, and there's plenty of videos out there of, for example, the Nick's Mac, Nick Maxwell uh, paraflip video. Yes, he does paraflips a hundred times better, but trying to sit there and understand how a helicopter reacts in one direction how it flips on the other. And how it flips on the other.
0: It's not a a mental understanding of it because yeah, you're right. My my brain cannot keep up with what direction it's facing, what direction is up, what direction will it go when I turn left, it's not gonna really be left. It's all about feeling. But it doesn't, you don't just automatically start with feeling. It just, you, you have to build up to that level. Right, I'm going to anyway. agree to disagree with you on this. That's I, I want to, I'm going to get
3: you in the same group that I have the video, the Augie's videos in. So you can
1: see it.
0: Well, no, no, no dude, I hear point number 11 of my spreadsheet here for skids up show notes is ask Frank more about his Augie methods. So it's not that I'm not interested or don't believe you. I just think that at some point, you know, you have to blend the two. Uh, intuition but, versus but orientations. You're, you're,
3: but what, like I like I keep telling you, one is literally keep, uh, keeping you from getting good at doing the other one. It's like you. It's okay. like if you had a a baseball coach teach you how to throw the ball one way, and it wasn't the way that that it should be thrown from the get go. It's not the way that your body reacts well to it. Like the mechanics are not correct, and you're just forcing this. You're forcing this. You become so overwhelmed or so like like I got to get this right and instead of just saying, well, what are you trying to do? Just do that. And don't worry about that, the, the orientation. Just try to do it this way. And once you get it done this way, try it this way. And you'll see that they blend themselves so much quicker. And you know, like you guys have seen when my pair flips, like I've used, I, I was always able to do them, but not to where I'm at now. And I'm, my flying has increased significantly, has improved significantly since listening, since doing this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it's fair. I think that uh, also we have to factor in that um, everyone really learns at a different pace and, and, and a different way. You know, I've seen people that, uh, for example, that's from tailing to funnels in six months method, you know, I started it and uh, it was going well. And then I realized that I needed to do some tweaks. Because I was not getting there, so I needed to do you know instead of the pure hover, I, I needed to do first the static orientations because I couldn't I couldn't do the the, the just the pure hovers, like like you know like it was recommended. So um, I think that there's also a different different ways to learn. Um, I, I think that it's get a good thing that you know um, we take a look at it and see and try it on and try to understand. But for example, for me. Um, when I'm doing all these, uh, all these orientation training, I basically just try to keep the, the helicopter moving um, and trying to flip it on a, on a different direction and uh, try to just whip the tail and just follow the motion of the helicopter and making sure that I keep the momentum. The moment that I, I don't have a plan in my mind of what I want to do next, I crash. So I'm very procedural. You know, in, in how how I think, I I need to to go from A to B to C to D. So maybe um, you know, maybe I am hardwired to kind of this kind of method, but uh, but I think that it's it's worth a, a view. You know, uh, different things work for different people, and I think that it. I mean there are the ways that can happen that that doesn't work for you but if you don't experiment it then you know you won't know right so i think that it's a it's a good thing i mean i'm i'm interested so um, of course i'm uh, as you know i'm a staunch facebook um anti-person so um you can, if you if there's another another method to get the videos then that would be better but um but uh yeah I, i'd be interested in taking a look at them um, okay, Javier, was that was that for you for the uh, for the no-fly uh, updates? Fortunately and unfortunately, yes. Okay, <laughs> all right. No way. Um, well, so I did open uh, a, a, a new a new discussion. I mean, it, I, I mean, I didn't give my updates, but I did uh, foster a uh, good conversation. I mean, well, I think so. I think so. That was beautiful, because- actually.
0: Because, yeah, the whole like prescriptive approach. And again, let's go back to the musical instrument uh, analogy of that. You know, if you learn how to play at someone else's song, like if you learn the tabs or the sheet music for someone else's song and you get really, really good at it, that's great. That doesn't mean that you can go and improv with a jazz group, you know, like that's not the same thing. Uh, but doing the first one will potentially help you get better at the second one, but it's not a guarantee. It's all about the way you go into it, right? Right. Um, okay, so for my flying updates, there's not a whole lot. Um, I took some, I took a couple days off. I think I should show you guys some pictures. And I spent both of those days off at the flying field. And I spent the weekend at the flying field. Um, my family was up visiting um, and, uh, other family members. So I had a lot of time to myself for the first time in months. And I put in... 65 flights this weekend which is probably more than i've ever put in in a single go it's, it's, it's over five days but uh still it's like 10 or 10 or 12 flights a day for five days which is amazing and um so i felt like i just lived at the field this past this over the past weekend which is just awesome uh, a lot of cool things happened um i got to fly the new logo 200 with a v bar touch or a V control touch and I was super impressed with that helicopter, man. It flew way better than my Oxy-2 does on a good day. And this was in like a 15-mile-an-hour wind. It was insane. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't want one, but man, that's an awesome helicopter. I could see why people say it flies like a 700. It feels way better than anything close to its size.
2: Yeah, and and uh, now now I I'll I'll, um you made me remember something, uh, Paul about about that. Um, Supposedly the thing that makes that logo fly like that is uh, the new anti gravity feature on the Neo. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just read recently that. Um, because there was some conversation about that on Helifreak, and I and I think I, I I read that Tomas, you know, the developer Spirit said, "Oh, that's that's kind of easy," and he described you know how how that logic would work, and I think that there's a new update right now for Spirit to be able to support anti gravity. There is. I saw that. Yeah. I haven't um, I haven't updated
0: it because in the update notes it says warning: don't use a Mac. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess I won't do that. But I did see that, and I'm curious how much of that flight characteristics is due to the anti gravity, or you know, also you know, in the logo 200 announcement videos, they mentioned that there was a lot of tuning done to the V bar uh, to make it uh, to make that logo fl- to fly the way it does. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a combination of both, right? The anti gravity feature, yes, but I still believe the the Frank, you might know more on this. The uh, the logo 200 has some specific tuning done on the V bar uh, mini.
3: Uh, yeah, somewhat, but it's no par- it's no different any parameter that you would have on any of the any regular neo Oh, There's,
0: okay. no
3: prim- there's nothing special on that helicopters that I don't have any any on mine. On okay. the V-bar.
0: well, it flies really well. Um, it,
3: it, it, a- it does. I have, I have a friend who has one. Works. For, flu's He's he's enjoying it a lot.
0: Did you get a chance to I just fly can't
3: get over the sound that the, the motor, oh, the, God,
0: tail, the, ta- the tail motor? No, I can't handle it either. I can't it's handle very, the
3: sound. You know, I think <laughs> it's a great scree- little helicopter You get used to it, but it just reminds me of like when I first started flying and I had a little, uh, uh, 200 SRX and that, te- that motor tail, it's just, oh.
0: <laughs> I'll agree with you on that one, man. It was, uh, it was very loud and a bit annoying. Um, but if you didn't, If you didn't pay too much attention to it, you could and you overlooked that it flew amazingly well. That that I've I've heard about
3: it. I heard it flies
0: really good. So let's see what else. Oh, I met. Um, I met another jetty user at my club. I think he and I are the only jetty users actually um, after talking with him, I'm the only other person he's met that uses it. And so he's a, um, a very good pilot. We were talking, I've only met him once. So we were talking a bit and he was going over my oxy five that I had out there and he was looking it over cause he was interested in getting one. And he was like, Hey, you know, you're uh, you're, control arm is about to fall off (laughs) it's like what and i looked at it and the screw for the one of the control arms had had almost completely backed out and i was like thinking you know oh my god this is another instance of me forgetting to loctite it and this would be like the third instance of a non-loctite bolt but i actually when i got home i didn't fly it anymore when i got home and took it out there's a ton of loctite on the screw so somehow it managed to back itself out while being loctited which is something I have not seen before. But uh, he was right. That was about, you know, one hard pinch pump away from a, from a total loss of control.
2: <laughs> well, you do know that Loctite expires, right? Yeah, but this helicopter is only six months old. But, but how long was your bottle of Loctite stored before you put it
0: together? Um, I usually go through a bottle of Loctite a year. So it's definitely not a year old.
3: So I have Loctite that's like three or four years old that I whip out all the time when I build helicopters. So Javier, on this one, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to disagree with you,
2: but... But, but you're wrong. I, does, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't that's believe that. I'm not going to say like, you're wrong, but you're wrong, right? I yeah. mean, that, that's... No, the, no, 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 that's, I, just I, don't, it. I don't it's believe it. in it's that. I keep, the like message. I get it.
3: <laughs> I keep Loctite forever. I actually, I like the, um, the gel one. That's my favorite one to use. That's the SAB stuff, right? No, well, there, I say he we makes one that's really nice too because they have like the perfect little nozzle on there. So you can like literally pour it, uh, drip it on all, the, all of the screws as you screw it in. So it makes it very clean. But there's Loctite makes actually one that's like a paste, which I like a lot because it's clean and it's easy to clean up.
0: Okay. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I, I bought a giant-ass bottle of it last year thinking that I'd be set. And I'm almost done with it because I did a lot of building this year. Yeah, you I think I built a, like fixed a lot of helis and you built a lot of helis. I pulled a shit ton of helicopters this year, man. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, thankfully my oxy five has been saved. So random man at field, thank you very much for going over my helicopter with a fine tooth comb, uh, for no reason other than to do so. So I appreciate that because I probably would not have caught that. Um, which means I need to do more pre-flight checks. And so at the field, I've been practicing pretty much one thing um, over and over again, and it's my funnel figure eights. And I've gotten better at them, but I've found that I'm having difficulty um, after one or two complete loops. So like after you go around and back again, and you're working on your second eight and your third eight. So basically anything after the first eight, um, I run out of steam. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong, but I I seem to lose momentum and then have difficulty in getting it back. And if I do get it back, it's very jagged. It's very uneven. And then I'll do one that's fine. And then I'll do the second work on the second one and I'll lose steam again. So um, Frank, does your, and this is where I have my note here to ask Frank about his Augie methods. Do any of those cover funnel figure eights? (laughs) Because I know they no, man. Pyro, pyro flips.
3: It, it's, it's different. It's more uh, so. It's your. When I concentrate more with when, when I'm when I'm like flying with like simming with Augie. He has me working on doing a lot of pyro stuff like pyro loops, pyro flips. You know how to get how to transition from from one from one maneuver to another using pair pyro, uh, pyro maneuver. Just flat out. Just. Parrots into greatness. That's the best
0: bracket. <laughs> Parrots into greatness. Okay, I'm on my own for funnel figure eights. Is what you're saying? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think I think, although uh, you know, I've tried them. I'm, you know, I I don't get, you know, the the after my my experience is that after the first figure eight, what you what you describe is happening to me. <laughs> but um, but what I found that that helps correct it. You know, if you if you start to lose momentum, what has worked for me at least on the simulator is to basically just punch the collective more
0: yeah yeah that's 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 what um that's what has been recommended to me too and I, th- I thought i was doing it but you know i i get stuck in this thought process of trying to have a very finely controlled funnel which in my mind means not using collective but using momentum but then yeah when you run out of momentum you need collective to get it back so <laughs> yeah agreed i think i think you're right. Um, and uh, yeah, I will work on that. So that's, my, that's that's what I'm going to try to get better at is, is making my my funnel figure eights perfectly flat and then basically have enough momentum so, to how carry. How are you entering this?
3: So can, 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 can we break down your maneuver a little bit? How do you sure. enter into your funnel figure eight? Did you just so, go from a hover and then you just flip up?
0: So what I do is I typically flip into a half, I do a half pyro until I'm upside down. And then while I'm upside down and the, the momentum, so essentially the momentum from the half pyro flip Mm -hmm. gives me all of the momentum I need in order to get the first leg of the, um, of the funnel. And I usually start with a, with an inverted funnel. And then it's so, so then I have enough momentum there to get me around the back um, which transitions into a standard funnel. And then on the flip side of that is where I start to run out of steam going back into the inverted funnel. So it's, it's, you know there's enough steam going into it and I start to run out about three quarters of the way through right when I'm transitioning into the other one and what ends up happening usually is the helicopter starts to get really close to me um, and then when I try to you know push it further away I then lose even more momentum so it's going to be a balancing act of try to figure out, Uh, how to get that power from the collective and where to put it basically
2: yeah i think i think it's at the transition you know i'm you know i could be mistaken but that's that's what i feel that you know you do the funnel and then when you flip the heli to switch position then then that's what you punch it and then to get yourself back into position and to have enough to do to kind of like build momentum back up and then you do your then then you do uh, the loop and then you switch into the other direction and again punch it so that you regain that momentum and keep going i think that's i mean of course it's easier said than done, but I think that that's that's the key at least that's, I think that's what right. i've seen and I think that the um the, the
0: problem that i'm running into is that i I know how, like, what direction everything should be leaning in in order to get the shape of the funnel right, but that's not accommodating for the extra power that's needed. So I need to re, kind of, retweak that shape in order to be able to accommodate all of that extra collective power to keep the momentum up. So that sounds yeah. like a good idea. I will practice yeah. that. And on our next flight sim session, I can show you guys what I'm talking about. It'd be a whole lot easier than <laughs> yeah. just talking about it. Um, so that's it for me. That was my, uh, that was my, my updates. So um, how about you, man? What have you been up to, Frank?
3: I've been really good, actually. I've got, I got some really cool news. I got a special package from Brian uh, Mikado USA. He sent me a 3300 S Maniacs battery, Ooh. Uh-huh. and I am in love with this pack, man. I've, I've, i Oh, it's a, it's a stick years pack years for a, for thirty-three hundred. Pardon me. It's it's a stick pack for your yeah. five hundred and eighty. For my five hundred and eighty, yeah. Nice. And it is awesome because it's a big stick pack too. And, um, you know, I was, I was very excited about when Brian brought it in. Cause I know the guys, I know that Philippe and Duncan in uh, in France are flying them. And if they're, if they're, uh, holding up to those guys, abuse that they put on the helicopters, they will last me a very long time. Um, so, uh, so I got that in this week. I broke it in, you know, doing my usual, uh, five cycles on the bench and five cycles, uh, and then flying them. And I am super happy with it. It's, it's such a good pack. It's funny because I compared the weight to other brands that I have and yeah, it's a little bit heavier, but the general size of the cells and the general quality of the build of the pack is second to none, man. I'm really really excited to be flying this these years. Um, I'm actually going to take a few to the event next week, uh, next weekend. Um, Knobs event in Tampa and at the uh, triple Creek, um, uh, whatever it's called, triple Creek Aerodome, I think. And, um, I'm gonna have though, and we're gonna actually give away a pack. We're excited about that. I'm also going to be carrying them at Inverter RC. So if you guys need batteries, hit me up. That was such, that was such self promotion. That was horrible. I shouldn't do that.
0: <laughs> hey man, I, it's been a whole year and I'm pretty sure that is the very first self promotion that you've ever done.
3: Really? I, I hate so. that. I don't, I don't, I hate, I don't even promote them to hang out, man. And it everybody tells me I'm an idiot for, for
0: not doing it, but, um, I whatever. have been, I'm one of those people that told you you're an idiot for not doing it. Yeah. You,
3: you have, you have, you told me, you, you're, you actually even told me to promote it on here more often. I just always feel like, nah, it's okay. I don't need to. Hey, don't need
0: Skids to. up needs a sponsorship, man. We could be sponsored by Inverted RC. It <laughs> <laughs> should be. Does that you know? count? <laughs> Um. Oh, it's funny. Oh, well, hold on. Oh. W- weren't you in abla Um, hold on. I'm going to say ab abuelita. Damn it. How do you say grandmother in Spanish? Abuelita. 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 Weren't you in ab- abuelita? In middle it's not road? abuelita. It's abuelita. Oh, give me a break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> more more a D- more adios. <laughs> more doritos. You like the future three
3: four guy to is more doritos. I keep telling you.
0: Doritos. More. Yeah, so so weren't you weren't you down one abuelita?
3: I well i 'm actually I am a down atwaliida, but I have an amazing wife, and she hurried home uh, okay, early awesome. Sunday so I can get some flights before the nightfall and i bus, I banged out six flights in one hour
0: awesome yeah like, I was,
3: I was, like, did
0: didn 't realize you were under the gun
3: I was under the gun and <laughs> i had a guy, I had another guy there trying to tune a nitro so if he wouldn 't have been there, I probably would have gotten ten flights in an hour because I was back to back to back I was charging like a three c like my charger was screaming and I was like going to get flights back to Wacom. and I got three flights on the five eighty and three flights on my seven hundred Kraken. Um it was a it was a really cool little afternoon. Got some really good flights uh right before uh sunset. So I'm still. I haven't lost a weekend of flying. Not saying that I will or that I won't, but I will. I'm planning Saturday morning. is my daughter's birthday Saturday, so I'm gonna sneak off really early in the morning and get some flights in before all the festivities happen. So the goal is to have flights every weekend, even though my my wonderful mother-in-law. I hope I'm gonna share. I'm gonna play this for her so she hears it. You know. So I I keep I keep the group brownie points. You know. All my, all my sisters, uh, all my wife's sisters are married now. So I got to keep up the best son-in-law, uh, routine (laughs) so I can keep getting So they can keep taking care of my daughter. So I can have Sunday fun day. Uh, I got, I bought some fuel. I got a a club member of mine had a case and a half of 30% fuel for my 55. So I have fuel to fly my little 570 nitro and um, other than that next week I'm going to a fun fly and I am probably going to pick up the um, the 580 nitro for my birthday in November so that's about it for me
0: guys cool cool
3: cool cool
0: sorry 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 I I, US went to get myself, I went to go get myself another drink. I didn't think you'd finish up so soon. <laughs> well, I'm
3: not half year, though. I don't, I'm, I, don't have to, I don't have to tell you my whole life story. And every... Every week. Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what? It, this month, the end of this month, is going to be six years that I've been flying helicopters.
0: Oh, wow. I don't... Um, actually, you know what? Man, I do know when I got my first helicopter. It was a Christmas present in 2012, so... And then I took a break really? for like four, for like four years. Um, so I've got very, to figure out cool. how many, I figure out how long I've been flying for. Cause I don't, I'm not sure if I should, I probably shouldn't count those four years, but cause then I would actually, I should actually be a whole lot better than I am. <laughs> but, um, Hey, you know, if you were to go, I'm just curious, Frank, if you were to go to the field without a charger with your 700 and your 580, how many flights could you get?
3: So if I brought all my batteries, I could probably get about, uh, six flights. Cause I have three packs a piece for the 580 and the, and the 700. But if I put my 570 packs on a 12S stick, I can probably get about three more because I have, I have six, 5,000 packs.
0: Oh right. Okay. So you use a combination of the um, of the 5000 6S and the and the or the 6S and the 12S, right? Uh, Cuz no,
3: I only I use the, the 12S, but if I have to I can use the five, the 6S combination of two 6S
0: Sorry, that's that's what I meant. You um, you have both types of batteries. Like I only have the 6S 5000s 5, uh, 5, and then I use those for both my uh, 550 size and my Specter but mm-hmm. I was thinking about, I'm thinking about like the next batteries that I buy will be the, the stick packs for, for this, for the, they'll packs. be maniacs, right? If only there was a store that I knew of with a rep, with a good I reputation had, that I you could know, buy them I have, from. I have a friend that I can help you out with that. Okay. But, I feel like, I feel like you should tell us who this friend is. And no, no.
3: <laughs> that, that, that's just between me and you, buddy. It's <laughs> like, you, just like a car, uh, Kraken showed up at your doorstep.
0: That's the same <laughs> friend. Oh man. Such a beautiful helicopter. It is the most beautiful helicopter I own. But we can and talk about that on the bench updates. So that's that's it for the updates from us. So um, Carrie, now is when we would usually transition into not only your updates, but also kind of your backstory. So if you want to just tell us that maybe the things that you've been working on lately that um, uh, you found the most interesting, the most gratifying, and then maybe we can start to get into a little bit about uh, how you got into the hobby and, and kind of what uh, what led you to what you're doing now.
1: Okay. Uh, well, you know, my days are taken up with uh, several things. We're always working on new products. So I spend some portion of the day either testing or, or working on that. And uh, there's some level of customer support we do for uh, our, our great customers. And actually filling orders takes some amount of time as well. So, you know, I, I'm I spend a fair amount of time on the business side. But lately, I've been involved with something sort of off uh, off the wall. I've been building a scale helicopter. Um, about thirteen Anything so about thirteen years ago, I bought a Vario EC one thirty five fuselage kit, and I over the years I have been slowly adding you know all the little pieces that I need to build it, but I never had time to build it. And I retired about two years ago. And about three months ago, I said, you know, if I'm ever going to do it, now's the time. So, opened up all the boxes and have been working on it. Uh, Still haven't flown it because I'm waiting on a couple of parts still. But uh, I expect to do an initial flight on it, hopefully within about the next month. And if if it survives that, then I can, you know, finish, you know, the detailing of it.
0: Is it a, a one size for like a seven hundred?
1: It is a one size and it is a turbine.
0: Whoa! Kit. Nice. Wow. As one of my favorite helicopters of all time, um, as far as like the real scale helicopter, they're I think they're just beautiful. What um, what paint scheme were you going to go with it?
1: So, there was a medical helicopter that was located in Jupiter a few years ago, and I flew down there and took massive photographs of it. So, that's, that's going to be the prototype for it. Uh, its call letters are N461MT, uh, it's a MedTrans Florida helicopter. It's since been repurposed, I think it's in Tennessee or Kentucky now, but uh, I have... All the documentation I need to make it look like it's supposed to. What's been very challenging is despite the fact that Vario is the probably the leader in scale helicopter kits, it doesn't look anything like the damn real helicopter. There's all kinds of things on it that have to be modified. And I don't mean, you know sand a little bit here or there. I'm talking about making parts from scratch to replace parts that are in the kit because they are wrong. And uh, it's it's just an enormous amount of work. Um, I, You know, there are people who spend years building these things. I'm not gonna spend years building it. Uh, it will be good enough. I'm not gonna go insane where, you know, the people inside move around and all that that stuff. Not going to do that, but, uh, it will look reasonably well. Uh, it's just a tremendous amount of work. And, you know, if I were doing it today, I would probably just buy a, a row band because those things come out of the box pretty accurate. They're painted, they're complete. You basically put it together and go fly it. That it is electric. Uh, if I were going to do a turbine, I'd have to do some kind of conversion on that. But, um, that's between the business and that that has consumed pretty much all of my time for the last three months.
0: That's uh that's fascinating. I, I I love the concept of or the idea of having a turbine helicopter. Um, just the idea of having a miniature jet engine in your garage is just like the coolest thing I can think of. But um, yeah, I I, I don't know. Maybe what maybe one day it, it seems like the. I'm not all that interested in scale flight, like the actual flying of scale, but it seems like everything that goes up into getting that in the air would be just massively rewarding, you know, building it, getting the turbine to work, all that kind of detailing out the the scale helicopter. Uh, And then for me, it just seems like flying, it might be kind of boring, but, but uh, I'm very, I'd like to see, I'm very curious how it's going to work out. I'd love to see some, some photos or videos once you get it in the air. Absolutely. It's
1: actually my, it's actually my second turbine. I did a, I did a conversion for the miniature aircraft whiplash before they did uh, for a wren. I still have it as a matter of fact. Um, so that was my first turbine. Uh, you know they're if they don't work, they're complicated. if they do work they're pretty simple. I mean, you take it out of the box, you follow the instructions, you plug it in, you push the button, and it runs. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's really that simple. Now, if it doesn't work, things get complicated. <laughs> interesting.
3: interesting. Hey, Kerry, t- I've, been, I've been thinking about getting my turbine waiver. Can you tell me the, what, the, what was it like getting it? Or if you have it. Let me ask you that. Do you have your turbine
1: waiver? Yes, I do. I have a rotary waiver. I don't have a, a fixed wing waiver.
3: No, yeah, that's the one I want to
0: get. I want to get the rotary one. Let's talk about okay. what that is first before we talk so, about how hard it is to get.
1: So, for AMA to cover your flying a turbine helicopter, you have to sign up for a turbine waiver from them, which is just another designation that goes along with your AMA uh, membership, and to get one, you have to have a uh, contest director sign a document and a turbine contest director sign a document. And you have to fly a little simple routine in front of the turbine helicopter uh, contest director and they sign a form and you send it into AMA and that's about it. Uh, If you did not have one of those and you cause damage, I suspect they will cause trouble for you.
0: Is the um, the field itself at play when it comes to where you can fly these?
1: Uh, some places don't allow turbines. Uh, as long as you have a fire extinguisher, I don't see why it's really much of an issue. Hmm. Because you're carrying a fair amount of kerosene. You know, in the case of uh, the scale helicopter, I'm carrying about 80 ounces. That's... that's you know, two thirds of a gallon of kerosene, if for some reason it hits the ground and splits the tanks, you've got a problem on your hands. So this this is probably just my ignorance
0: on the fuel topic, but um, how is that different from say a gas powered helicopter that has a tank of uh, gasoline or propane or whatever it is, whatever's in the tank?
1: Uh, it's just the quantity, uh, you know, gas helicopter you're gonna carry about 12 or 14 ounces. And a turbine, you're you're using six ounces a minute in a turbine. So, oh, wow. you know, m- multiply however long you want to fly by six, and that's how much fuel you need to carry, plus a little bit for startup and shutdown. Gotcha.
0: Okay, cool. So, um, otherwise, would the fire risk be the same if it weren't for the quantity? Or is kerosene just more flammable or more prone to...
1: Well, to be fair, I have never seen a gas helicopter cause a fire. That's not to say that, you know, one won't happen tomorrow, but I've never seen it happen simply because um, there's not fire involved. You know, it's an internal combustion engine where with a turbine there is a, uh, there's, a, there's an actual fire going on inside the, the combustor. So if for any reason the fuel gets somewhere near either the exhaust or the engine, you're gonna have a fire.
0: Now that you explain it that way, that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> yes, the word you- internal, internal combustion. <laughs> I forget about that. <laughs> uh,
3: so Kerry, we'll be talking about you signing off my, my turbine waiver. That's fine, no problem. I appreciate it, Kerry. Like always, thank you.
0: Um, I this guy—I don't know if this guy can fly. That's a-
3: no. Well, actually, <laughs> i i've <laughs> i've had it, I've had I've had the opportunity to have one of Kerry's conversions. So, uh, so master oh, cool. conversion, and he actually worked on it for me, which is definitely it helped. He tuned it up for me really quickly. And it was more of him walking over there saying, hey, fly it. Okay, bring it down. He, mo- he put the screwdriver on it. I think he moved it about a decimal of, it, of an inch, if that, of a turn. And then he's like, okay, get up. Okay, it's good to go. Fly to it. You'll fly forever. And that's,
0: worris- that's
1: worrisome. No. And what did you do? You sold it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, I sold it to a guy that really wanted a gasser. And I think it's still flying to today. I think it's passed hands a little bit. Good. But it's still flying today, and it's still a great flying helicopter. Um, so, Terry, right. so kind of tell us how you said you've been flying helicopters for a long time, and then you have a turbine, and, and um, you're mostly into gas. So what got you into gas helicopters?
1: Well, let me go back a little bit more, and... Um, Kind of tell you the story. I assume you've got a few minutes to talk about no, no, this. Talk. We want to
0: hear it all. We want to hear Absolutely, it all. Absolutely, man. As far back as you want to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is awesome for us. So literally, back in 1976, I got a helicopter kit called a Cavan Alouette. <laughs> I don't know if you know what Cavan is. Uh, it, it was probably the very first helicopter kit you could buy. The Jet Ranger was the thing to have in 1976 if you wanted a model helicopter. No gyro, nitro-based. It was a fuselage body, a a, a fiberglass fuselage. And it was pretty complicated to build. But their second model was an Alouette. And this was mostly metal and plastic. You bolted it together. So I got one of these, and it used a uh, a 40 size nitro engine. Interestingly, I never could even get it to run, much less fly. Uh, there were there were issues with uh, belt tensions and whatnot. I just could never get it to work. Uh, interestingly, I kept that model and sold it um, uh, just a few years ago to somebody who really wanted one. But really, so my second helicopter was made by Dubro, which today makes a lot of accessories for mostly airplanes. But for a while, they made a helicopter called the Shark. And oddly enough, the very first Shark flew on gasoline. It used an engine called O&R. It was a one horsepower engine, didn't have a spark plug. It used a glow plug, which is really weird for gasoline, but it did, Uh, it made one horsepower. The helicopter was made of steel and aluminum, so it's really heavy, wasn't enough horsepower, didn't work very well, so they updated it to use a 60-size Nitro. That's the one I got, and I tried for a very long time to fly that thing, and it was fixed-pitch. I don't know if you've flown a fixed-pitch helicopter or not, Mm -hmm. but... It it requires uh, a different a different touch on the uh, the vertical vertical positioning of it. We'll say I started to say collective, but it didn't have collective, so. Um, the weird thing about it was it, they had this training gear that was uh, a bunch of fiberglass sticks with rubber balls on them that faced downward. And then it had a bunch of fiberglass sticks that went up at about a 45 degree angle in all directions and were tied together with strings. So that if you turned it over, it would basically sit on these sticks instead of hitting the ground and breaking the blades. Well, unfortunately, I found out that it really didn't matter. It still turned over and broke the blades anyway. But um, I also kept that helicopter, and about ten years ago, I built it and flew it, and it flew fine. And uh, then I got rid of it. I had, I had defeated it, so I was I was happy and <laughs> and, and got and got rid of it. So I have never heard
0: of any of these helicopters and I'm Googling them as you're speaking. Yeah, I'm doing the and, same thing.
3: <laughs>
0: I gotta tell you. They are you, this, really
3: interesting. This is really interesting. This Dubro shark has the ugliest canopy I've ever seen on a
0: helicopter. I would say it's the ugliest helicopter I've ever seen on a helicopter.
1: It was huge. <laughs> now now you can still buy the Cavan models. There's a guy that uh, bought all this inventory, all the designs, and you can actually buy one new in the box and build it. Wow. they're okay. very expensive, but you can do it if if that's what you want to do <laughs> so, so how, how does it how does a fixed pitch helicopter work with a gas with a
0: nitro engine
1: uh, well, you're controlling it entirely by throttle you know it it's simply the faster it turns the higher it goes. And the lead and lag time is significant. That was my, uh, that was my main question.
0: Man. Oh, it's like the, it, by it, the second that like from the time that you actually request the input to it, then revving up the engine to it, then spinning the blades, that's gotta be like a couple seconds, right?
1: It It's huge. It can be one or two seconds. So you gotta be ahead of it all the time and you know, no gyro. They didn't have gyros. Yeah. Um, n- Everything was uh, archaic about them. The electronics were, you know, sort of marginal. The engine was marginal. The helicopter was marginal. It was heavy as hell. It was all, I mean, the gears were steel. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was quite the beast. But you know, they actually, people flew them in contests and were able to do aerobatics with them and other things. The guy that actually designed it, a guy named Dave Gray, he actually flew it in the Nats.
0: And the contest wasn't simply can you get it in the air and keep it there?
1: <laughs> no, no, no there there was a time when I think that's exactly the, what the contests were, but no, I've seen some of those old videos on YouTube. It's
0: like I think the contest is just can it fly?
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree I agree with you. The early contests were exactly that. But um so You know, after that I got a variety of helicopters. I had the obligatory shuttles and Concept 30s and um, eventually miniature aircraft designed the, uh, the XL I forgot. I had a couple of Schluters in there as well. They were really good helicopters, by the way, especially for their time. But eventually, miniature aircraft designed the XL and I got uh, several of those. For a while, I campaigned on the uh, uh, AMA contest circuit. That was that was interesting. I flew it in co- what used to be called Class Three. Uh, but it was a variety of maneuvers. Flying in front of judges is is an interesting exercise. It it. Gives you a great deal of confidence. At the same time, it can be terrifying because you know these. I've done quite a bit of judging, and you're you're watching every twitch of the helicopter and grading on that. So if you're trying to win this thing, you know you're under a lot of pressure to to pay attention to every single move the helicopter makes. But around 1995, I got a hold of what was called the XL Gas Graphite. (laughs) And that was my very first gas-powered helicopter. And it had its challenges. Um, The engine was not really designed, it was designed for airplanes, so it really wasn't designed to work in a helicopter. And as a result of that, it would overheat. And it turned out a guy in Canada um, came up with a solution for that. He made like his own cylinder and I got one of those and put it on the model and it really worked very well after that. And I actually flew that model in contests for uh, a season and had pretty good luck with it. Uh, But it it started my interest in uh, the whole gas powered helicopter thing and it, I sort of went quiet for a few years when I was I was working a lot. And uh, several years ago a guy started a company called Helibug. And Helibug was doing conversions. And what he did was he would convert started off with T Rex seven hundreds or yeah, it was six hundred was his first one. You could convert a T Rex six hundred to gasoline and he sold you kind of the bare minimum to do it. It was, it was enough to do it, but you still had to buy a bunch of parts to make it work. And I did that and it worked. And uh, he came up with one for a Raptor 90 and I did that. And he had a couple others, which I built. I actually did some documentation for him and some testing and other things. And then in 2015, there was a guy in Australia named Joey Chan and Joey was working on a conversion for the Goblin 700, which at that time was the most popular helicopter probably in the world. So he and I got to talking and we became friends and he he got his design done and I decided that I would market them. And as a result of that, we had a fair amount of success. I We made a lot of them and we sold a lot of them and the business just kinda turned into a business from there and he's designed more and more of these things and we've kinda set it up where he does all the design work and I do all the manufacturing and retail side of it. So we, he, he provides all the designs for me and then I uh, push the, the designs out to the various manufacturers to have the parts made, make it into a kit and then retail it. <laughs> And we've done uh, we've done several hundred conversions of all types. You know, we've got uh, goblin conversions for gasoline. We've got 570 conversions for nitro. We've uh, got some synergy ones for the 766. I've got one for the 556, which is uh, gonna be, I'm finally gonna get that out. Uh, We actually did it last year, but uh, because of issues with synergy, it's been a little harder to actually get that kitted, but that's about ready to go. And as Frank uh, indicated, we're not done. We'll continue to do them. We're gonna have something for the Kraken here probably early next year. Now at the same time, you know, a a really important part of gas-powered helicopters is the engine, obviously. And a long time ago, <laughs> there really weren't many choices. As I I talked about, the original uh, XL gas graphite used a Zenoa engine, but it wasn't really very well fitted to to do this. And there has there has been a growth of a modification business from now three places. Um, originally, a guy named B.H. Hansen started this by, by modifying the engines. He would balance them and make some changes to them and they became very useful. And then along came a guy here in Florida who created TRM engines, toxic racing machines. He was doing the same thing, uh, doing modifications and building uh, you know, various versions of these engines.
0: Were, and, were these
1: racing machines
0: uh, geared towards uh, cars and trucks originally? Or were they for uh, helicopters and airplanes?
1: So um, Hansen started off with boats and so did TRM. They both started off with boats and as the gas helicopter market grew some they expanded into that now with uh with trm i was fortunate enough to get global distribution on those so i i work closely with them on having these engines modified and and market them unfortunately he his shop burned down last year so he's been not able to do engine modifications now for a while. I think he's almost ready to go. Hopefully by the end of the year, he will be able to.
0: I did notice that um, those engines are not in stock on your website and haven't been for quite a while.
1: Right. Uh, I I talk with him quite often. I know he's almost uh, back in business, but he's not quite there. But what I did during the interim was I worked with O'Neill brothers who have a huge market in RC cars, and together we developed a helicopter engine. So now I carry the OBR helicopter engine, and that is in stock. And they, uh, they, they don't have any issues building them. I've also uh, worked with a company called M-Studio, which is in Japan. They were a follow up to uh, Hatori. In fact, uh, Mr. Takai used to work for Mr. Hatori, And so he builds these super nice mufflers and I've been working with them on uh, a, a gas muffler and I carry their muffler today. And we'll continue to do that going forward. So, we've kind of got a cradle to grave solution for you. We can sell you the conversion, the engine, the the muffler, all the accessories you need to get it flying. Uh, There was a time when I actually flew, when I actually provided short kits, if you will, um, an actual helicopter kit like a 766 with the parts taken out of it that you're gonna throw away anyway or that you're gonna have to sell. So I was able to do that for you know, a savings to you and at the same time it provided you kind of a one-stop shop. You could get everything you needed from one place. Uh, with with Matt uh, being offline that hasn't been practical lately but when he comes back online you know I'll I'll revisit that for both the 766 and the 556 um, uh, Kerry oh, sure.
3: did you do the same thing for the Goblins didn't you have a deal worked out where you were doing something similar
1: I did. For the 700, uh, we did that for a while. They were providing a short kit to me that they'd taken out all the frames and, and other pieces. I um, haven't done that for a while. I had to buy a fair quantity of them to get it to do it, and it, it just didn't make sense after a while. I, I wasn't selling that many of them, and not that many people were asking for it. So. That kind what of I ha- Leads me into an, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. What I have found that a, an awful lot of people do conversions based on secondhand helicopters. You know, they buy uh, a used airframe from somebody and they convert it. And I understand that completely. Um, other people buy, it, you know, all new. It just depends on what you want to do. But uh, I found that it was it was more practical to just sell the conversions and the engines and the mufflers. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's funny sense. you mentioned that. I I happen to have a Kraken airframe just hanging around, waiting <laughs> for its new life. <laughs> um, but actually, you know, so you had mentioned about the uh, or just a second ago the the demand for these things, and I've always kind of viewed gas helicopters as as a niche that's already within a niche, right? You know, I mean, RC helicopters themselves are a very small market. Um, and then gas helicopters, it seems, are an even smaller market. So I'm just curious, uh, how many of these things do you, if you had to just take a super rough estimate, I mean, how many gas helicopters do you think are, are out there um, based off of the con- the conversion ones, not necessarily the ones that may have been sold originally with a gas engine, but like thousands, hundreds of, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands.
1: I was about to say, if, if you say how many gas helicopters are there, there's, there's, thousands because I know miniature aircraft sold many hundreds of them and they were just one company, you know, making them for a while there, there were a lot of companies making ready to fly or ready for gas helicopters. Uh, We've sold a couple hundred across all of my products. Um, I know there are, there's another gentleman in Greece, that runs a company called Blackout Mods. He's doing conversions as well. I, I don't know how many he has sold, but he focuses on completely different models than I do. Okay, because yeah, I've um, I've been so intrigued
0: by this uh, by the gas concept. I don't know. I haven't felt the the same level of interest in, in nitro helicopters. And whenever I bring this up to, you know, Javier or not, not Javier, cause he hates nitro helicopters. Whenever I bring this up to, uh, to, to Frank or to other people, um, you know, they're, you know, Frank is, is one of the only people that I know that's actually had both. And he says, speaks highly of both of them. But when I'm at the field and I'll just casually strike up a conversation with someone about, um, about, you know, oh, I don't have a nitro. I'm looking at getting one or potentially getting a gas. The very first thing they say is, why would you want a gas helicopter? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want one? And so that's why I, I'm very curious to talk to you about uh, like dispelling the, these myths that I seem to to keep finding at the field, based off of um, I don't know if they're prejudices, you know, like old prejudices, or if they're relevant, or if they're just personal preference. But a lot of people have very strong opinions about gas helicopters, uh, be it about uh, power delivery, maintenance, tuning, etc. And um, I think that that maybe we can move in the next segment of the conversation would be like, why do you like gas powered helicopters so much? And what is it about the power delivery, the maintenance, the tuning that you that you have gravitated towards versus, say, nitro, which seems to be more popular?
1: So let me address maintenance first, because uh, that's a strong point. There is none. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't hit the ground or you don't run it too lean and burn it up, it will run for hundreds of flights with no issues at all. Uh, the engines are based on uh, industrial engines, so they have adequate clearances and such to run. Forever, they're entirely every every surface that moves has a ball bearing, or every surface that turns has a ball bearing on it. Um, they last forever. I mean, again, if you hit the ground, you'll damage it probably, and if you run it too lean or run it too hot, you'll damage it. But other than that, there is no maintenance. Uh, there's very little tuning. Once you get once you get the engine broken in, and once you get it settled there are very few tuning changes required now if you're moving around the country different altitudes different temper you know drastic temperature variances you may have to touch the needles but otherwise really not uh very economical uh you you were toying with frank asking him how many flights could he make if he brought just batteries to the field well if i bought just the helicopter and a can of gas i could fly all day long. No problem. Sure. Um, nice. Uh, so you
0: so, so have a win, a win and a win. So there's three pluses in this column.
1: And uh, all day <laughs> for about $3 instead of $50. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you get like 15 minute flights. Yeah, each each flight is between 12 and 15 minutes. It can be longer. It depends on how hard you turn the engine and, you know, exactly which engine you have. But the flights are usually long enough that people get bored and and don't want to, you know, fly. Yeah, you can always be time.
3: like Roger and just sit down and <laughs> pick up the flat line pull for out, five out hours at a time.
1: Pull out the lawn chair and... <laughs>
3: Yes, you can always do. You can always pull the raja, where you sit down and occupy the the flight line, doing the same auto over and over and over again.
1: That actually does does make a lot. Sorry, go ahead. That actually does make a lot of people mad. Uh, If you go out there and fly a fifteen minute flight, hog up the airfield, a lot of people don't appreciate that. Um, it's it's usually more reasonable to fly five or six minutes, and then you know. Let somebody else fly. Go ahead.
0: Oh, well, I was saying that, you know, if maintenance and tuning and cost are all pluses, is the stickler the power delivery then? Is it the power to weight ratio that is um, lower or (laughs) –
1: well, generally, the the engines today have about the same power as an equivalent glow engine, but the model is is slightly heavier. Now, I say slightly because it depends on which model we're talking about. If you're looking at, um, you know, I mentioned Blackout Mods. He's got a highly customized T-Rex model that's going to weigh, I think, around 11 pounds with the engine in it. And that's roughly equivalent to what a 700 nitro weighs. And it's yeah. gonna have have about the same power. Now, I think he wants about $1,200 for that conversion. So it's not cheap, it's all graphite and titanium parts and a lot of other specialized stuff. But if you want a really light helicopter, you have an option for that. All of our conversions um, are very durable. They're over-engineered. Uh, we use very high quality parts. In most cases, you won't break the conversion parts when you hit the ground. You'll most likely break, you know, the 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 standard model parts. Mm-hmm. You may break the frame. It depends depends on how you hit the ground. But in most cases, most of our conversion stuff will survive. And um, you know, you'll just need to buy blades and shafts and things like that.
3: So, Kerry. Okay when i had my Gaster, i always and i had cuz i got into a few helicopters the same year i had a, i got my first 700 nitro and i got my first 700 Gaster within weeks of each other so but i always felt that the Gaster had 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 more torque than the nitro like the nitro flew, got a higher head speed and it and it was lighter and it just moved faster but i felt like the Gaster just had genuinely just more torque and it just could when i really jammed on the collective it really got out of its own way
1: yeah it it does have more torque because if you look at the rotating surfaces uh or what's actually turning in the engine you know you've got a pretty large flywheel on the back of the engine and the crankshaft is much larger than than the the nitro engine and the displacement is roughly double you know if you're looking at a, a 90 size engine that's uh, that 's a fifteen cc engine the smallest gas helicopter is is twenty cc and most of ours are now thirty ccs so it 's a, it's a pretty good bit of metal moving around in there and um, again they 're making about the same horsepower as as the the same size nitra or the typical nitro engine if you will if you're willing to if you're willing to deal with a tune pipe which i don't recommend you can get why why do you say that
3: if you don't mind me asking because i've i've heard Doug's, and it scares the bejesus out of me but i know that it's that it's putting (laughs) out a lot of power
0: what Uh, do you mean by that what do you mean by that frank is it just crazy loud or
3: no it's it's like it's i would consider like a tune pipe for a motorcycle or a or
1: a (laughs)
3: Carrie, <laughs> okay, You know, the scooters that has the low gas
1: motors, is that will be considered the same thing? Yeah. It's the same. It's generally the same parts, same engine, same muffler or same okay. pipe. So you're talking about bolting on 25 to 30% more horsepower right off the bat. I mean, if you're using one of these modified engines, which have uh specialized port timing, you put a tune pipe on it, you're going to get, 25 to 30% more horsepower, but wow. <laughs> if you're, if you, if you're off, if you're wrong with the tuning, you won't get one flight out of it before you burn the engine up. So you, you guys essentially, you're going to run it rich essentially, it, right? You, you need to run it richer except for where it, where it's on the pipe, if you will, that's where you want the, 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 mixture to be correct it can be richer you just won't get as much power out of it but typically what happens is people let them get a little bit lean and the engine just won't tolerate it because you're pushing a lot of power out of it more power than you know it's originally designed for and it uh, it's just intolerant of tuning and most people are are not experts at, at internal combustion tuning and this is like a challenge above that. So um once you get it down, no problem. I mean Doug Fly says all the time, doesn't have any issue with it. So does Tom Welch. They both yeah. have tune pipes. But um you know, for the average person, especially one who is just getting started in gas helicopters, not recommended at all. Because when you damage the engine, you can't just go buy the parts for it. You got to send it back to the modifier because th- these are handmade engines.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. So you. Well, know I do you wanna... have I do have the small benefit of living, I'd say, twenty five miles away from Doug, <laughs> from what I've heard.
1: <coughs> oh, good.
0: So yeah, he, wow. I know he lives in the Dallas area, so um, uh, and so do I. So I, that, that that'll help.
1: That's he lives he lives in McKinney.
0: Okay, I live in uh, East Dallas. That, that's probably about a 35 minute trip.
1: Oh, okay. Well, if once you, uh, once you get plugged into gas helicopters, go see Doug. Uh,
0: yeah. So he, he actually flies or used to fly at the club that I fly at. Um, so the people that I've been talking to about this, they know who Doug is. Um, okay. apparently he hasn't been around in a while, but, um, yeah, I, I and I'm serious about this. You know, we've I've been talking about getting a, a, a nitro or a gasser for for a year now, ever since we've been doing the podcast. But the gasser has always had a, uh, a I don't know what it is. I like, I don't know why I find it more appealing than the nitro. Sorry, Frank, I find it more appealing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually very excited for your. Uh, I saw your, you know, Frank sent me the screenshot of your your Kraken conversion prototype for the. Is that a uh, is that a SolidWorks model or a Rhino model?
1: Like what? Um, Uh, It's a SolidWorks model, yes. Okay, it was beautiful. (laughs) Uh, It's It's very very nicely done. It's a very clean conversion. Um, The cleanest one we've done yet has been the ProtoS. Uh, It's actually very straightforward uh, and very clean. The Kraken is going to be along those same lines.
0: Yeah, I really, really like the ProtoS as well. Um, I think the only reason I would go with the Kraken is because I. I happen to have another Kraken airframe that I'm not using at the moment. And that would probably, you know, it'd save 800 bucks or so,
1: so. Absolutely. So a couple of, uh, just a step back a little bit for your for your listeners who are not as familiar with this, there's really two ways to get a gas helicopter. Either you buy a ready for gas kit from a manufacturer or you convert something that already exists. As we sit here, there's only one company still doing ready for gas helicopters in any quantity, and that's miniature aircraft out of Germany. They're building the whiplash gas, and it's a, you know, it's build it out of the box, put the engine in it, it's a gas-powered helicopter. There, a lot of other companies were doing it, most of them have dropped out, I think um trying to think of uh, think of his name at the moment and I will. There's a guy doing industrial helicopters who can still do uh, customer kits but he just oh, doesn't do. Bergen? Bergen, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he can still do them but he just doesn't do very many.
3: Yeah.
1: What about Sentry? They used to make a gas helicopter, right? They did and uh, they made several but uh, they they started focusing on the commercial drone business and I'm told they took all of their fixtures and threw them away. Wow. That's
0: horrible. One more example of the commercial drone industry ruining everything that we (laughs) (laughs) love.
1: Well, you know, it's, uh you can, you can take your time to make a few dollars or you can take your time to make a whole lot of dollars. And yeah, it just kind of depends on where your passion is. If your passion is making money, the commercial drone business is very and is very interesting. Uh, in my case, uh, I'm I ain't, I'm not getting rich doing this. Not making a lot of money. Uh, I enjoy uh, building them. I enjoy seeing other people have fun with them. It's sort of my contribution to the hobby that has given me so much happiness and pleasure over my life. Um, It's something that, um, frankly, what I saw when I first got into this, there were people involved with the hobby that did not have you as their customer's best interest at heart. They were interested in getting your money and telling you to have a nice day. And as a result of that, uh, they sold you things that did not work well together, made you angry and made you hate gas helicopters, which contributes to the, uh, sort of feedback that you've gotten at the field in the past years of underpower or poorly designed or poorly manufactured models, um, you know, gave these things a reputation that they really don't deserve anymore. These are very high tech. They're all high quality, you know, high quality materials. The engines are the most powerful that have ever been available. They're dead reliable. They require very little maintenance. They're economical to run. They have similar power to the to a nitro, they're nothing like an electric, okay? If you, if you love flying at 11 or 14 horsepower electric, you're not going to like this because they're, no, they're nowhere near that, okay? They just don't do that. Javier's
3: smiling right now from ear to ear. I bet you he
1: is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, actually, hold on, hold on here. This might be, this might be of Javier's, uh, or this might be of interest to Javier. Do they potentially stop working based on the changes in the weather?
1: no stop working
0: no well just uh we, we were discussing in our last episode that you know, if there's a drastic change in the the pressure or the temperature that the nitro might have uh issues tuning issues and i'm wondering if the gassers have the same problems or same characteristics
1: uh you it depends on how drastic it is you may have to touch the needles um more often than not you only have to touch the high speed needle um I'm getting terrified to
0: touch these needles. I hear touch it in the wrong direction and it burns things up.
3: No, no. Once, once you break breaking the, and correct me if I'm wrong, C- Curry, once you're breaking the motor, you pretty much set it and forget it. And that's, I had, I, when I broke in the motor, I had Kerry tune it for me and then I flew it for years with the same settings. I never touched the motor again.
1: Yeah, we provide extensive running instructions with our engines. In fact, our engines come with a, the the oil you need to do the break-in with. Uh, now they come with clutches. They come with a pretty extensive running uh, running guide, which uh, guys on my team like Doug and Tom have helped develop. So it's it's real-world experience in them. It's about four pages long, so it's it's not just a you know a postcard of here, thank you, have a nice day. It's, it's pretty complex as to how to break it in and how to get it into its running condition.
0: Is this something that you can break in um, kind of on the bench and just let it run? Or do you need to break it in in flight?
1: Uh, if you can do it on the bench, I would highly recommend it. <laughs> highly recommend it. Uh, okay. Of course, if you're going to run a gall you need to run about a gallon of fuel through them. And if you put it on a bench, it's going to run for about five or six hours. It's going to run for a very long time. <laughs>
0: well, so, the bench in my case is is my garage. And that kind of leads me to the, the next question of h- how loud are these things? And this is a, this is a weed eater engine, right? No, it's bigger than a weed eater engine. Is it a lawnmower
1: engine? No, no. It's, it's, it's a, it's about the same as a lawn implement engine. It's a 30 CC engine. Okay. So it's a large, it's a large uh, yard implement engine.
0: So like a, like a back, like a backpack leaf blower kind of thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Something like that. (laughs) Those are loud as shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not that loud. The, the, again, the muffler we're having made uh, is about the same as a, as a, as a nitro. You know they're they're turning about eighty-eight decibels. It's okay. not bad. Oh, that's
3: not bad. Compa- so I used to have the TRM pipe. Come, give me a comparison between the the new pipe that you're doing from M Studios to like what I used to have, which was the TRM pipe.
1: How was it louder with the TRM pipe? Um, yeah, the the version two of the TRM pipe um, had a large exit on it. And as a result of that, it was louder. It made more power because of that, but it was in fact louder. Uh, no, they actually sound pretty good. Um, they're nothing like they used to be because if the, you know, the standard muffler is a canister muffler, it's nothing but a metal can that you bolt onto the side of the engine. And it sounds horrible. I I can't believe anybody actually flies these things with that muff, that thing on there. But, um, I wouldn't recommend running it in your house. I mean, it's going to be pretty loud, but (laughs) (laughs) it's no louder than a nitro helicopter. So, you know, one thing I've learned from working. Sorry, go ahead, Frank.
3: So, Paul, what you have to do is you got to be very nice to Doug, all right, and bring him pastelitos, bring him some good snacks, from and talk him into him breaking in the motor for you. He has, <laughs> he has an amazing break, uh, breaking engine stand. And he can probably break an engine in an afternoon, no problem. You have to be very, very nice to him.
0: What I was thinking is that um, what I've learned from eight months of working at home is that at any given moment during the weekday, someone has an insanely loud gas powered leaf blower within within earshot of my ears. And it's crazy. No matter when I go out for a conference call, since my wife has taken the office over and I have to go outside, no matter when I go out for an office conference call, there's a freaking leaf blower. Like (laughs) so I could run that thing for hours and no one would notice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not as loud as it's not as loud as a leaf blower.
0: Well, um, yeah, no, I, th- I think that I could, uh, I could probably just start it up, and everyone would just think I have a, a brand new hobby of blowing leaves out of my lawn, twenty four
1: <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> now, something else, something else we've done that nobody else is doing. I invested in a custom made dyno to test these engines with, so we've done all our development using our dyno, and as oh, a result cool. of that. We know where the power is, we know how wide the power is, and we know how much the power is. And all of that is documented in our running documentation so that when you're setting this up, you don't have to guess. You know, know once it's broken in, I need to turn the head between X and Y RPMs to get the most power out of the engine. And As long as you do that, you do. That's what you get. You also don't have to run gasoline. In fact, I haven't run gasoline in years in these things. I run lantern fuel. Not because of any particular power consideration. In fact, uh, I've seen a couple of cases where gasoline makes more power. By and large, I don't see any difference between the two. And that it smells a whole lot better. And it doesn't <laughs> smell like gasoline. You know, gasoline is boutique. It's got... All this EPA mandated uh ingredients as a result of that. It's just it stinks. It'll smell your house up. And you run them on lantern fuel and it smells nice while it's running and when you bring it home it has no odor at all. So a little more expensive, but not significantly.
0: Right. It's still not, you know, thirty dollars a gallon.
1: No, it's about eight bucks a gallon.
0: Yeah. That's uh, that's 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 interesting. Um you know, I have a I have a vein I have a vein question. The mufflers that you're using, do they come in any color other than silver?
1: <laughs> they do not. They are uh, they're polished aluminum.
0: And there's no way to get them. Can you anodize those, or does that impact performance?
1: Mm, no, I don't see how it would affect the performance at all. You can ceramic. You can uh, ceram- pure coated. Yeah, you can ceramic coated or uh, you could anodize it. I guess.
0: Because I think that there's a, a, a T-Rex Nitro that has a, a black muffler, but I'm just thinking that, you know, the Kraken, it uh, it looks so good in black. You are so bougie, dude. By I am. God. I'm just – come on, man. It just it looks great with black. So,
1: like, having a black muffler would look
0: awesome.
1: Uh, I suppose you could just paint it. I don't know how long that will last, but <laughs> – I had to ask.
0: I did have to ask because every so, time I see, every time I see a muffler I'm like, it'd be awesome if it was another color other than silver.
3: So, uh, Kerry, so my partner here, Paul, he's an ex-architect. So he
1: has that little bougie-ness to him that he uh, Unfortunately, they are polished aluminum only. What you do with them on your own, I have no control. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's
0: you know, that sounds like a yes to me. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: As long, as long as you seal it up before you do whatever it is you're going to do to it, I don't think you can hurt it. <laughs> Sweet. Well, now, now so I'm definitely so, sold.
0: So
3: some questions here that I think are going to benefit Polly and as well as the people in our people are haven't been into Gasser. Can you kind of go through like the steps of should you should your first helicopter. I did the complete opposite. Should your first helicopter, first fuel helicopter be a gasser? Ooh,
1: yes. Uh, I would, my answer to that is if someone can help you who knows how they work, uh, you will be more successful. Uh, I, I would definitely not recommend that you start it off with like a, uh, a GT-15 or a, uh, a Gowie uh, NX-4 Because those are specialized gas engines that you got to know what you're doing to make it work properly and for it to survive any length of time. Uh, The larger engines, uh, as long as you follow the instructions and follow the advice of people on the forums and uh, the various groups, when you ask, you'll get it flying. Once you get it tuned, it's no big deal. I mean, it's a helicopter. You know, once you get past the initial tuning challenges of of getting it broken in, and, and a lot of people just get tired of the break-in process because it's, you know, you're going to have to fly it for several tanks of gas just kind of goofing around with it. You really shouldn't take it out and bang it around or turn it at really high RPMs. You just want to let the engine settle in and uh, get acclimated to the additional heat that it sees and then you switch to a synthetic oil and now you can start to push it but a lot of people don't want to do that you know they want to start it up and go flip it upside down and go zoom it off into the sky and if you do that you're going to burn the engine up pretty quick you may not get through your first flight with it
0: but that's that's interesting to me because if there's anything that Having a serious addiction to RC helicopters teaches you it's patience. Um, so, yeah, I can I can I can I can totally see the the need to to take your time on this stuff. But it seems like most people are kind of forced into patience when it comes to dealing with helicopters.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the smaller engines, like the GT15 from OS and the uh, um, the 10cc engine that that Galley was using. Uh, they have much longer break-in periods, and you need to be far more careful with them. I do not recommend them as first uh, gas-powered helicopters for anyone, not unless somebody can help you. If, if, you know, if you've got help with somebody who knows how to tune them, then it's all fine. Because, again, it's, it's a helicopter. You know, It's just a different power plant, that's all. There's nothing mystical about these things.
3: Yeah, Paul, you hit, you hit you hit the lottery by living in Dallas and having Doug in your backyard. <laughs> he does, it's like me with Carrie. I hit the lottery if I need something. Carrie's a four hour drive north.
0: I'm sure I'm sure Doug appreciates this, considering I've never talked to him before. <laughs>
3: no, he, he knows about you. I've I've told him about you.
0: <laughs> Doug's very. Well, cool. I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're thinking, Carrie? Uh, Car- you're thinking within um, the next six months or maybe eight months or so that
1: the Kraken might be available. I'd like to have it early next year. Uh, there are some uh, manufacturing challenges because of the, the state of the world today, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd, I'd yeah. like to have it early next year.
0: I'm, I'm actually amazed that um, business hasn't been more interrupted when it comes to our hobby. Um, I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, just considering how, how many things shut down and logistics of everything I'm, I'm just Continually impressed when I order something and actually shows up at my door. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that's that's cool.
1: A lot of things take longer than they used to.
0: But it's still, again, it's it's still impressive
1: to me that they actually happen at all. <laughs> uh, fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Now, you, you, there's no reason to be afraid of these things. You just have to uh, understand how to deal with it. It's like everything else. There's a little bit of a learning curve, and once you get past that, it's it's just a helicopter. Mm-hmm.
3: To me it's actually easier than than a nitro because you don't have to worry about an onboard low or anything like that that's all built in so to me uh, and it's here's my question here and i, I asked this just for, uh, for more technical as far as gov tuning on a on a
1: gaster it's very similar to a nitro correct uh, well it would be identical with the exception of the throttle curves are very different so you need to make sure your governor can deal with that. Uh, For example, um, uh, I'll use the Fataba governors as an example, because that's what I'm the most familiar with. They are very tunable in that you can change the minimal throttle position. And that's usually where you get in trouble, because... On a on a nitro engine, you're probably not going to get below 30% throttle uh, or it'll quit running. And okay. on a gas helicopter, you may get as low as 10% and still be turning too fast. It just depends. There's a lot of dependencies there. But uh, if you don't set that if you aren 't able to set that what you 'll wind up is wild over speeding you know the throttle curve on one of these things looks almost like an l it's it 's very flat up until about three quarter throttle and then it goes up very steeply and if you If you have it set too high at low rpms it 'll overspeed wildly because it 's a thirty cc engine you know so it 's got enough power to, to spin it really fast. Interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Um I don't think I've ever seen a, a power curve like that before.
1: Well it, it's very common in gas helicopters. In fact, if you look in on if you look in our assembly manuals, most of them have a sample throttle curve for you to to start with we we tr- i've tried to make this as easy as possible as as i said earlier there was a time when there were people involved with these things that, that did not have your best interest in in mind and what i've tried to do is is look at these as holistically is i want to i want you to be successful i want you to have a gas helicopter and say you know this thing is is pretty cool you know it it doesn't have 14 horsepower but I can fly this thing all day and it's fun and it's helping me learn collective management because it's a little heavier and it doesn't do things as quickly as a, you know, an eight pound, 14 horsepower helicopter. So you're going to, you're going to have to understand collective a little better, which will help you at everything else you do. Um, But... What we offer is, I can pretty much guarantee you that if you buy our products and put it together the way we tell you to, it's going to work. There's not going to be a, gee, I don't know if this is going to work or not. It's going to work because everything's been tested. We've got data. We've got hundreds of these things flying. The materials are very high quality. Uh, the instructions are pretty good. Um, I guess they're not... The best in the world, but I try to do a, a pretty good job of putting those together. And uh Harry, you also have a pretty
3: strong library of videos and stuff that you have done in Heli Freak to kinda go back and kind of walk you through a lot of the uh builds and you know set up there's a lot been a lot of written information about you on there as well you know and going back to the point you're saying that they're not the most I I remember seeing a video of Kyle Stacy flying one of your conversions Mm -hmm. and beating the heck out of it and that thing taking every inch of everything that it was that was being given to it so I wouldn't say they're not the most they're not the most powerful I think they're they're they have a lot of abilities 'Cause I enjoyed mine a lot and I'm and I'm not trying to just i I'm not just hovering around either.
1: The engines we're producing now are the most powerful engines you can buy for a model helicopter for gas powered model helicopter and they're the most powerful gas engines that have ever been available for these things.
0: Wow. Uh, that's yeah, that's really cool. Um so you know you you had mentioned that uh was it T R M? Is that the one that is not currently in production but will be
1: soon? Correct, TRM.
0: So, when it comes to choosing an engine for these, are it, it seems like there's a, a limited pool available, right? That's maybe two or three models. Is that correct?
1: So, from B. H. Hansen, his primary engine is is called the three hundred. It's a twenty nine and a half cc engine. That's 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 primarily what he's selling. He's got a three. What he calls the three hundred and ten but uh, it's, it has limited applicability because of balance issues. What we've been offering are 300s and 310s. Uh, I've chosen to focus on the 310s. It's the latest thing, it's the most powerful, it's very smooth, uh, and everybody wants the most power. So we're making 310s these days. Okay. We can, custom, we can custom make something else for you. Right now we're doing 310s.
0: Oh, okay. So that I didn't realize that there was a recommended engine. I thought it was kind of whatever
1: you decided. So uh, you you don't have too many. You've only got three choices, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. uh, they're they're the TRM and the OBR engines, which I I s- sell. They're roughly equivalent. Uh, one's a little more expensive than the other for a variety of reasons, uh, but they make. About the same amount of power they make it in slightly different rpm ranges um, but you know they're, they're both they 're both fine engines nice so if, if you were to ballpark a um, a
0: price, not including the donor helicopter kit, but for for everything that you would need to get started, you know all the tools that you might need to work on it that wouldn 't be native to someone who doesn 't have a gas powered helicopter, like the engine, the conversion kit. Uh, for say a, for well, let's just use the protest as an example. Uh, if you already had a protest kit, uh, how much would it cost to get it up in the air, uh, as a gas, ver, as a gas variant? Uh,
1: probably about $1,300. Oh, okay. And is that
0: roughly the same for all 700 models or does yes. it vary distinctly? Okay.
1: Almost all of our conversion kits sell for around $430. The OBR engines are selling for six forty and the mufflers two hundred dollars. That's not bad. Not bad at all. And Man. that the conversion kit Everybody. is all the conversion kit is all inclusive. When you buy our when you buy our conversion, you don't need anything else to, to convert it. Everything you need is in there. All the fuel system, everything. Fuel lines, nuts, bolts, everything. Adhesives, Velcro, it's all there.
0: So another, another question for you, is it possible to break in and tune the engine with it not being mounted to the helicopter? Uh, and the reason I ask that is um, I think over the last hour you have sold me on a gas powered Kraken. Um, I know that it's gonna be several months before that comes out, but is it possible to buy the engine get it tuned up and ready for assembly beforehand? Or is that something that you really have to do with the engine mounted in the frame?
1: Uh, as long as you can get a prop adapter for it, which uh, you can still buy those, uh, sure, sure, you can you can break it in, no problem. You'll, now, getting it mounted is kind of a challenge. If you look at what Doug's got, Doug, Doug and Tom both have these custom-made um, run-in stands that are really sophisticated because they they do some level of of power testing with them as well. Um, it's, it's the issue would be, how would you mount the engine to actually run it? Because, oh. because where you mount it is also where the propeller would go. And that's uh, kind of a challenge.
3: You gotta be nice to Doug, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, put the, I'll put the
0: good word in for that's you. The you that's really the theme, that's the theme of the evening, right? <laughs>
1: but uh. it's roughly about the same price for all of the 700 sizes.
0: Which is, a, I mean, it's a very reasonable sounding price to me, so. But, just, you let me know, uh, Carrie, when the, um, when the pre-orders are available and I will, I will do the whole shut up and take my money.
1: (laughs) You know, if, if every time somebody said shut up and take my money, they actually did. I'd actually have some money.
0: (laughs) Well, I I like to think that I follow through on all of my shut up and take my money statements. Yeah,
3: (laughs) he does, Carrie. And so, as a person that's built another conversion that Carrie doesn't sell, which is, I'm still very happy with it. But I will say that Carrie's, you have to do a lot less sourcing of parts when you go directly with Carrie than you go with other people. So, that's just my own two cents there because I spent a while looking for parts. And I know if I would have gone with Carrie's kit, it would have all came ready for me to just put together, build and
1: fly. Yeah. One of the things that, that always annoyed me about the, the early conversions were, okay, so here's the frames and here's the, here's the engine mount. And here's the, the clutch. Now you go find this list of parts to do the conversion. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, I may have to get them from all over the country. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this, so I put everything in the box. I do all that work for you. Uh, I, yeah. I had to get my tank. That's, from that's very UK. attractive sounding. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. If you if you go, you should. Whether you do it or not, if you go with carries, you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches. Everything's going to be there,
1: you know. And and I, as I said, you buy all our you buy our stuff. I guarantee it. It's going to work because it always does. 's been uh, it's been tested they've there's hundreds of flights on these things there's hundreds of them out there we support every conversion I've ever made I still have parts for
0: you know oh, so actually one one thing I did have uh, related to that was you know I've been searching for for I don't know several off and on for months now um, for examples of uh, gas powered helicopters flying 3d on YouTube. And it's not an easy thing to find, you know, there's, there's a few videos on whiplash uh, whiplash gassers doing Mm -hmm. 3d, but I haven't seen basically when you type in RC gasser, helicopter 3d, you get nitro, 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 nitro. And I'm curious if you have any, um, any videos to go along with, with any of your conversions, like the 700, the T, uh, the goblin 700 or the protest do, do, are there any videos of people flying 3D with the new protest conversion kit that have made it onto youtube and i just haven't found them
1: not that i know of uh, okay. one of one of the challenges i have is i'm not a terrific pilot i'm a sport pilot okay so uh, all the all the really cool stuff that everybody wants to see models do I can't do, so I have to find somebody else to do that. Now, fortunately, Kyle, Stacy, and and Bert Camer live about, you know, half a mile from me. So, oh, wow, <laughs> I did not know that. If I if I can convince them to fly one of my models and let me video it, then you know I can provide a video. Otherwise, uh, I know Doug has several videos. He's had. Um, Some of the the pilots at events fly a variety of his models and and they bang on them pretty hard.
3: Yeah, Stork, there's a video of of, uh, Stork flying it. And I think there's another video of, what was his name? He was really big into Nitro and he, but he has a video of him flying the helicopter and it's really, it's pretty impressive.
0: Are these, are these face, Frank, are these only on Facebook or? I'll find
3: them for you, man. I got, I got to spend some time on YouTube. But I'll get it for you.
1: I'll have to admit, I don't do a good enough job of providing videos.
0: I think one, if you just had one video per conversion on your page, that would be, uh, that would probably be enough, you know? Just to show, because it's it's really, like like you had mentioned earlier, I have come across a lot of resistance to gas-powered helicopters that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it seems to be rooted in ideas that were formed 20 years ago. Basically, like, oh, they're not powerful. Like, my, I was asking some questions around the field a couple of weeks ago, and the answers I got, I was like, oh, they're too heavy. They're not powerful enough. You can't even fly 3D with them. And that was it. Like, that was their formed opinion on gas helicopters. I'm sure it hasn't changed in 15 years. Uh, and then looking at these, you know, looking at this guy, I'm watching a video on YouTube right now, of this guy just beating the absolute crap out of a whiplash, doing things that I, I absolutely cannot do with it, uh, with any helicopter. So those, you know, those, those opinions are obviously not true anymore.
1: The opinion that you cannot do 3D with them is not true at all. <laughs> Are are there types of 3D you may not be able to do exactly the same way? Yeah, probably. You know, if you like, again, like I said again, if you're dealing with an eight pound, eleven horsepower helicopter, you're going to do things that you're not going to do with a uh, eleven pound helicopter. So,
0: but even even then, I think the types of things that you're not able to do would only apply to you know one percent of the flying population. Oh,
1: yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> Most of the stuff you're gonna to wanna to do, you can do just fine. Again, you may have to change the way you, you manage your collective, but that would be about it. It's, a, I mean, it's the same helicopter, it just has a different engine in it. Yeah. And this is, uh, oh, I'm excited, personally. This is a, it's a lot of
0: great information. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and talking with us about all this stuff.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me on. I enjoy talking about this kind of stuff.
0: You know, I actually had one last question and it's about the, um, the fly barless. Is there a fly system that you would recommend that can deal with vibrations um, better Better, or is the level of vibrations that you'd get not any different than a nitro and therefore they're all good?
1: Well, with today's uh, balanced engines, they are the smoothest they have ever been. Typically they will vibrate more, certainly more than an electric <laughs> Um, uh, depending on, on the, the nitro engine, like a one Oh five is a pretty heavy vibration engine. It's about the same as that. Um, as a Fataba team pilot, I think you should use a Fataba live unit now. Uh, but of course.
3: Harry, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you literally took a page out of my book, by the way, I what <laughs> I to say, you literally took a page out of my book.
1: Now, plenty of people are using V-Bars, NEOs, uh, the Axons, um, Beast Xs. Most of them will work just fine. Where you get into some issues are with the governors. Uh, they, some of them are not as tunable as others. Some of them are more difficult to tune. Personally, the, the Fataba governor is very tunable. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a team guy. It's, as far as I'm concerned, they have the best... Governor for gas helicopter use. I wish they still made the 701, which was a governor only unit, because I could sell a lot of those.
0: I actually, know next to nothing about Futaba's flybarless, other than it exists and people do use them. I have zero. <laughs> I, have, I have zero experience with them personally.
3: <laughs> hey, all I can say is, is, Futaba's the second best one after B-bar. I'm just gonna say that.
0: What, okay. what what what? sponsored you sponsored people need to. St-
1: <laughs> what Futaba does not have is the user interface that VBar has. I mean, Nick Maxwell developed the 760, so you know he's he's made sure that it works well. It's just uh, it it's it's it will work pretty well right out of the box. You really don't do it, need to do a lot to it. To fly the model, uh, but it does not have the slick user interface that VBar has.
0: We were we were talking about that last time with uh, the Beast X interface, which is clicking dials with a screwdriver. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay um that was i mean that was the last that was the last question i had but now on the
1: other on the other hand parts don't fall off the 760 like they do on some of the other flight oh that that was our that was a dagger. <laughs> oh there, there so is frank, frank is nothing. the only frank is the
0: only v bar guy among the three of us
1: but uh there is no need to buy a new case for the 760. Oh.
3: <laughs> hey,
0: you're hurting me now. Uh,
1: how are you supposed
0: to how are you supposed to engrave your initials on the original? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you have to talk to, you have to talk to Doug about that. <laughs> Doug can make you a custom case that has your name on it. So,
3: yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, ha- I have I have I have a few of them. Hey man,
0: me and Javier's case has already come made out of aluminum. So,
3: you know, we're good. I am really, I have really nice friends, by the way.
2: If anybody out there wants to be
3: my friend, please send me a message. (laughs) (sighs) I need new friends, I swear.
0: Okay. Well, you know, Carrie. again, man, that was, that was an awesome, awesome couple hours. Thank you so much for, for breaking down everything um no for uh, for us and um i hope to i hope to be contacting you many many more times in the future about getting a, a kraken to work hey um
3: go ahead go ahead, go ahead. i want to oh, no, no. go for it go for it, man. Okay. Good. carrie so we've asked Ron course to do this for us but i know that you will do it because you're just that kind of person. We want to start doing some tech tips. So i I was wondering if you would record for us a few tech tips for gas or helicopters that we can play on our
0: podcast. Okay, like like thirty seconds maybe. You know, and we could do we could do throw in a couple each episode, or one each episode, or a couple episodes, or something like that.
1: Do I get to bump my business? Of absolutely. course you do. You have to absolutely. In fact,
0: yeah, that's the whole thing. You you. This tech tip is brought to you by Gas Powered Helicopters. Okay, got,
1: got it. Asked to do that for RC Heli Nation, so... That's right. I kind of stole the idea from them, but... Oh, okay.
3: They're not around anymore, so I might as well take advantage of it. No,
1: they're not. I, you know, those guys just kind of disappeared, man.
0: Yeah. And well, we, we consistently listen. deliver an episode between every one and seven months, so... <laughs> literally dozens of people that will hear your message... <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I'm, I'm honored to be asked to be a part of your podcast. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Kerry. I pre- we really appreciate that. And we appreciate your time, man. I know that, you know, we've, we talked about gas power helicopters, but, you know, most people don't know that it was that it was you and Bert that ran OHB, the Orlando Heli Blowout for 10 years. And that was my first helicopter uh, event.
0: Really? I, I did not know that. Yes, and I've heard it, of OHB
3: yeah and that was the best and i you know that we they there there was a saying that was called miniature urcha or the second urcha because it was just that big and that powerful and i think and you know, i'm always i always talk to Bert about it but i'm saying thank you carrie for putting on putting that event for us because that that helped that got me really excited about helicopters going there for the first time
1: well, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me that you uh, you say that. actually, there was a time when uh, the Urcha folks uh, approached us about making it uh, winter Urcha or urcha South, if you will really yeah, it was uh, you know towards the end there it was it was a machine. I mean we had it all set up so that it was just uh, it was you know click off the click off the menu items and put it all into place. It unfortunately just got to the point, the industry got to the point where it it didn't make sense. It it was very expensive to run that, you know, that's like a $30,000 cost to to put that thing on. So it was very expensive and we always managed to at least break even with it. It's not like we're making money with it, but um, it just got to the point where participation wasn't good enough and I personally, I didn't feel good about asking vendors for a lot of money when I wasn't sure what, who was going to be at the event. You know, I know, I know one of the vendors made a comment to me about, you know, this is just a uh, kind of a gathering for team pilots. It's like, yeah, uh, I understand. So it just didn't make sense. I, I don't know. I was, we were very happy.
3: I speak from me and Chris from, from the hangout. The last year of the OHB we got we were one of the few who got to sponsor the event and we were very happy about it, you know. You know, we you guys were we super so good it. to us and you treated us very well. So
1: we appreciate it. Yeah. Folks like you made it happen because otherwise it wouldn't have <laughs> Well, thanks.
3: And, you know, the it's sister event, the the bash has been going pretty well, too, you know, and I, I look forward to, you know, I don't know if they're going to have it's going to happen this year, but that weekend I will be in Orlando flying in an event or not, but I will be visiting torches that weekend in Orlando in December.
1: I don't think uh, the city is going to give us permission to do it, so we're so we're not going to ask them. I mean, they're going to come back and say, you know, pandemic and liability and all these other things. So, we're not going to try to run a big event this year. There yeah. may be there may be some sort of day fun fly or something. I don't know what Mike and Kyle have up their sleeve, but yeah. uh, we're not going to do a big event simply because it's it's. <coughs> too much of an issue with the city and it's city on property. So
0: yeah. on a, um, I'm, I'm curious Carrie, carry on a non, like a non pandemic year. How many events do you typically go to every year?
1: Oh, uh, probably two. And that's the two that are here. Okay. I, don't, I don't travel a lot. <laughs>
3: um,
1: I might, yeah, yeah. Go, I might go to Frank's. <laughs>
3: yes. That would be awesome. And if you come, I want to make sure we hold the gas the gas power clinic that you've done at Urcha there.
1: You know, I was disappointed. I've done nine of those. I intended to do my 10th one this year, yeah. and uh, I decided not to go because I didn't... First off, everybody I knew who had a gas helicopter said they weren't going. And second yeah. off, uh, I just didn't want to travel, so...
0: So yeah, you, this was this was supposed to be my first Urcha. Uh, I think all of our, me and Frank and yeah. uh, oh, Javier's already been, but it was supposed to be me and Frank's first one, and I, I just didn't go. I'm hoping to next year though. Yeah,
3: so am I. And Terry, maybe you would do this your clinic at my fun flight with my new uh, cracking gasser or Paul cracking gasser, you know, <laughs> one of ours. Oh, you know.
0: <laughs> you, you'll be able to tell mine because it's going to have the black muffler
1: on it. There you go.
0: The regular shiny pipe.
1: <laughs> oh, well, well, we'll see. We'll see what's possible. For the most part, uh, I don't have any idea when it, that thing will be ready, but it'll be ready as soon as we can get it ready.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I will. Um, I look forward. I look forward to the. Uh, is there? Is there? Do you have a mailing list that I could sign up for to to right, kind of right. get a ping on when that happens? I'll sure.
3: I'll add you to his group. I'll add you to his face because he has a Facebook group. Well,
0: I'm on the Facebook group. Uh, okay.
1: Pretty, pretty much well, what I've had the best luck with is just going to the Facebook group and posting, Hey, look what I got. And okay. that, that's where I get a lot of the, just take my money now <laughs> that, that oh. doesn't happen. That usually doesn't <laughs> happen.
3: <laughs> hey, I'm telling you charge for a pre-order, man. Just do, just like Bert does. It's going to pay off in the long run.
1: You know, I did that once when we did our agile conversion. I did that and it took so long to get it done that people got mad and wanted their money back. And I just haven't done it again.
3: Look, one thing that we have to acknowledge as hobbyists, helicopter, RC helicopter pilot hobbyists. We are the most impatient people that have walked the earth. (laughs) No one is more impatient than helicopter pilots. And I know this because I sell stuff to them all the time. (laughs) <laughs> and they want to know where their stuff is every day. and God forbid something goes wrong. But, guys, people, just put, send your money and, and wait. It'll be worth it.
0: I know there's a uh, – God, there's got to be, like, hundreds of posts on it now, but a thread on Helly Freak about, um about Synergy's rebirth in the U.S., mm-hmm. and it's just – it's, it's funny because it's just it's just split right down the middle between, hey, when's this gonna be ready? And be patient. Hey, when's this gonna be ready? Just be freaking patient. <laughs> It'll be
3: worth it. Like, you know, I don't, I don't have a horse in that race, but I know Matt's always done a good job with his machines.
1: One of the uh, challenges we've had with the 556 conversion, which it's designed to, for the GT15 gas engine, but you can also, Put a ninety-six, a ninety-one, or a ninety-six, or a one hundred five, or a one hundred twenty in it because it's the same configuration. So if you want a big block five fifty-six, our conversion will do that. But it uses some N seven parts, and they don't exist anymore. So I had to make them, and they're just about ready. When they're done, I can I can get that kit out there. Hopefully, oh, wow, that's awesome. Hopefully, people are still flying them.
0: Okay, well, I think that's. Uh, I think that'll basically wrap it up. Unless you guys had any more questions, um, I know it's getting kind of late. And again, we
1: appreciate your time, Carrie. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for uh, for hosting me. I appreciate it. And if you want to do some tech tips, I'll work on that.
0: Yes, absolutely. That'd be awesome. If you want to do, um, I mean, I would say. You know top maximum of maybe like 30 40 seconds and if you want to do five or six of them we could just add one per episode we usually we usually release them about once a month so uh carrie if you want to drop off uh, since it's late uh there's a few more things that we were going to cover uh, unless you wanted to stick around for it but um feel free <laughs> to feel free to drop off if you uh if you wanted to you know i'm
1: old so i think i'm gonna go to bed
0: <laughs> that sounds that sounds absolutely good because I'm hoping that Javier doesn't have too many other updates because I want to go to bed too. I think Javier sleeping because he hasn't said anything in the last hour and a well, half. Well, he, he just, you know, that's his passive-aggressive, I don't like fuel helicopters.
3: Uh, he hasn't said one thing about it. Of course not. I don't
1: want to be mean. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Thanks again. You have a great evening. <laughs> you too. Yeah, yeah thanks to you, for, to thank, you, thank
3: you very Thank
0: you very Thank you. Bye-bye. all right um man i really
3: love that man he's so good he's so dude, awesome. that was
0: that was that was an incredible conversation that was a lot of yeah. fun uh okay so i'm trying to find my show notes javier you had you had other parts you want to bring back collective planets
2: yes i think that this this is going to be another hour it okay. probably will be so do you right. want, And it, do you is, wanna, and it do you is almost, it it for is almost mid- midnight for Frank. Correct, yes. correct. Do you want to move it for next time? Because I mean, yeah, I'm looking at my notes and uh, it's, it's one hour at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, here, let's
0: do, um, let's split this up and do just this last part as another one hour episode next week. What do you think? That actually works better.
3: I like that. I like doing the big episode and then a smaller one because it kind of keeps everything kind of, more dynamic.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good to me. What do you think, Faber? Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. Let's do, uh, let's do another recording and let's just focus on very quick uh, update, flying updates, if there are, and then we'll focus on when we left out. Cool.
0: All right. So um, it seems like, you know, we've reached our hour and a half point and, um, wait, hold on. Uh, two hours. Oh my goodness. All right. So it seems like we've, we've reached our, our time limit for tonight. And even though we had some, some other updates and stuff that we'd like to share, I think we'll just save that for a separate, a separate episode. So, um, those that are on the East coast time zone can go to bed before 2 AM. Uh, how's that sound Frank?
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining us guys. Uh, thanks again, Carrie for, um, for all of your time that you spent with us. Uh, We really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you very much. See ya.